It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. This episode and every episode of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast was brought to you by the generous and awesome support of listeners like you. Do your part and go to matttalkonline.com slash join the team and make your monthly pledge. You'll get some cool rewards and perks like access to my Matt Talk Online statistical almanac, digital preview guides, and even some cool swag like shirts, hats, and pine glasses. matttalkonline.com slash join the team. And welcome one and all, mainly just you actually, to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jason Bryant. This show, news, reviews, previews, and interviews for the most notable names and topics in the sport of wrestling. And I mean the Olympic, college, high school, international style of wrestling. Although there are instances where this show and shows on this network at madtalkonline.com will cross over into the world of sports entertainment with guests that have the wrestling backgrounds into what many had termed pro wrestling. Now we call it uh, sports entertainment as we know our Olympians and our international senior level athletes are actual professionals. They are professional wrestlers. However, as we separate the two terms, yes, there are shows coming that will actually explore the amateur if you will, I, I don't like using that terminology very much, but using the amateur wrestling backgrounds of those in professional wrestling, that is something I've been trying to get working on for a, a number of years at this point. But I know Jerry Briscoe, good friend of the program, good friend of the network, good friend of mine and yours, good friend of wrestling. He's on board with uh, with helping me produce and well, not produce, but uh, line up some guests for that. Not quite doing the pro wrestling podcast circuit by any means, but uh, there's a couple things here that 
don't get answered on some of those other shows that you hear, you know, guys like uh, Something to Wrestle with Con- uh, with Bruce Pritchard, hosted by Conrad Thompson. These are shows that uh, I'm getting off on a little pro wrestling tangent here for a moment. I, I grew up watching this stuff, and those shows are kind of like in my wheelhouse of what I remember. But I'm going to be doing some of that type of stuff uh, in the summertime, also some Hall of Fame-related stuff as our class of 2019 for the National Wrestling Hall of Fame class set for honors weekend, first weekend of June. I will be making the trip back down to Stillwater again to talk to every inductee and get them on the legend show. Also, we'll be doing two shows hopefully this week before I leave for China. Yes, I'm doing the television with Sean Kenny from ESPN for the Asian championships and Xi'an, that's X-I apostrophe A-N. Pretty sure I'm saying that right. I'm sure I'll find out. Uh, when I get there on on how to say it, I'm having some visa issues right now. The Chinese consulate has been less than fun to work with in trying to procure my documents to go to mainland China. So, Guillotine Show's got some big news coming out of Augsburg University in the coming days, if it hasn't come out already. Also get an interview with the national championship coach, Jim Olsoff, of the wrestling program at Augsburg University. Yes, Augsburg University, no longer Augsburg College. They've got the U behind their name now. That's in Minneapolis. Was out that way earlier today for something unrelated, but that's what we've got programming-wise. Also, going to have a new episode of Inside Virginia Tech Wrestling where we will do a season review for Hokey Faithful. And those of you interested in Virginia Tech Wrestling, you can email me or send me a DM on Twitter if you've got a question for head coach Tony Roby. Do that before April the 17th, actually, yeah, Wednesday's the cutoff. So do it before April the 17th to get your question on the show with Coach Roby. Got some things coming down the pipe. Good stuff. But today, talking junior college wrestling with the NJCA National Champions, the Cougars of Clackamas Community College and head wrestling coach Josh Roden. He's got some cool stories to tell, some interesting feedback, and we will get to that right now. Here on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, I'd like to thank you for spending your time with me because you've always got time for short time. Another episode of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast going to return to the great state of Oregon, which is green most of the time. But today we're talking with a, a guy who likes the color red and gold because they are the Cougars of Clackamas. They are red and gold because they are the national champions of the NJCAA for the third time in school history. Josh Roden, welcome back to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. JB, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about it. Last time you were on the show was February of 2017. You had just won the school's uh, let's see, well, fourth straight national duels title at that point. Episode 312, we're now in the 500, so a lot's happened since then. But first off, you've got the first national title since 2011, third in school history. The first one was back in 1971. Is, is that a big sigh of relief for you to finally hit, 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 hit another title? You know, it is. I, I told somebody, I said, you know, obviously we got that first one in year five here, and it was like, okay, yeah, we're, this is going to be something we can do pretty regularly. Well, it's it's harder to get back to the top of the mountain in some respects, I think. Uh, we've been really, really close a lot of times, you know, three runners up and a couple of thirds, but uh feels really good to uh, do it. And in the fashion we did, uh, setting this national scoring record was pretty incredible, man. So it was a lot of fun. So the saying second sucks actually probably res- resonates with you pretty pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you've got to put it in perspective because my wife helps me do that a lot, you know, like most wives. And it's, uh, you know, we're, our first year here, we were fifth, and that was the first time they'd gotten a trophy in, I don't know, however long, 10 or 15 years. And we were just on top of the moon, you know, it's like, it's great. 
And then we win a national title and then everything else is sort of, you know, blah, right? It doesn't just <laughs> doesn't taste, food doesn't taste as good, you know, all those things. So it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Couple milestones again. That was the scoring record. You also had a 48 match dual meet win streak that uh, went through and that ended in January against Northeastern Oklahoma. Although, uh, to be honest, all likelihood that was going to end this year anyway, because you guys had a duel with Oregon State, and it's not too many yep. junior colleges uh, beat Division One opponents. But uh, let's just talk about what what was special about that streak. You know, forty eight in a row, no matter what level, is yeah. nothing to sneeze at. No, man. You know that was pretty cool, and and uh, it's it's awesome because I mean we sort of didn't know we were just sort of living out our our philosophy and and going through each year I mean we knew hey we had a a year where we were undefeated and then oh there's another year that we kind of strung together a great year and and then one of the local paper guys like hey there's there's 38 wins in a row here before we sort of knew coming into this year it's like hey that's pretty cool you know and so we started kind of pumping it out there and we had a you know a close one to start the year with Western Wyoming a tough team down there in Wyoming and um, and then kind of going through the year and we always circle Northeast Oklahoma. We usually see them at national duels and neither of us, attend, or we didn't attend that event, excuse me, this year. And, and, uh, we see them out there in a, in a long day and, and, uh, get beat pretty good by them. And Joe and I have kind of a standing joke where, you know, I beat him several times for the national duel meet championship and he wins the team title. Um, and finally, you know, this year they beat us in a duel and, we ironically win the team title. So evidently, whoever wins that duel, the uh, the loser is going to do something special at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Man. So. so where do you sit? You know, the, the big chatter in D1 is is all about, you know, oh, well, the tournament's fine as it is. We don't need a dual champion to determine a national title. Where do you sit? Because you've been on both sides of this now. Man, honestly, I think there's something to the idea that I put the 10 best guys on the mat. Now, thankfully, there's times where that happens to be, you know, uh, the case, no matter what, right? But I, I love dual meets. It's fun. It's engaging for people who are sort of, uh, you know, your your non traditional wrestling folks. They get it a little bit easier, right? It's we're keeping score. It's my team versus your team, and people advance in a bracket. You know, I mean, so there's something to the idea that uh, let's keep it as as easy and simple to to understand as possible because you and I both know. Uh, we can try as hard as we want to to explain tournament scoring to someone, but it is hard to understand if you're just kind of the casual fan, right? And so I think it just makes it a little bit simpler to follow. And so, and I do love that. It's a fun event. Our teams love it. Um, this year, we just thought, you know, heck, uh, it has not worked out very well for us. So let's try something different. And that's truly where we went with it. Um, because maybe the, a little bit of, oh, we're already the best team because we've beaten the Iowa Centrals and the Northeast Oklahomas in a duel, right? And so they maybe don't train as hard. Or what, I don't. You try not to have them think that way, but I don't know. There's just an aspect of it. I'm like, all right, let's not do it. And then in, in total irony, it, it works out. So anyways. Granted, you guys are not that far from from an airport, and I'm saying you guys are in generally the Portland metro area. So getting getting to Louisville wouldn't have been that difficult in terms of travel. But you know, moving the tournament farther east, how much did that really also impact that decision not to go to national duels this year? Yeah, the cost for us was the big thing. We would have had to left on the second of January, um, so the time timeline they were working with was just difficult for us. Uh, not a lot of West Coast teams, you know, us Southern Oregon's out there once in a while. Uh, Southwest Oregon was there this year. And I'm, I think there's a couple of California schools that attend, but gosh, for us moving it that close to the holiday was hard because it was going to be like 650 bucks a ticket. And we looked at several different airports, not just usually what we do is we'll fly a major hub. Cause like you said, Portland to Chicago or Portland to, 
you know, a major airport and then drive is what we typically do just because it's, you know, more cost effective for our tiny program. And so we're ballers on a budget, Jason, and you can appreciate that, I'm sure. And, you know, so we're trying to our best to make the, every resource, every penny count. And so for us, it was like, okay, North Oklahoma is doing something the next weekend. We can fly to Kansas City and drive. And it was 250 bucks a person. So, you know, for us, that was what it was about was dollars and cents, um, you know, and so uh, I'd love to see that event, you know, in a, in a time frame that works better for some of us smaller budget teams uh, who are trying to do, you know, big things like that. But they have to work with what they do. I mean, when can I get most volunteers and when can it work for the people who are going to, you know, most of the teams that are going to be able to attend. And so I totally appreciate where they're at, too. Be a heck of a bus ride from Oregon City to Louisville. Holy smokes. Could you imagine? <laughs> you know, I, I think... Uh, one of the old guys back in 1971 team, they said that in 73, they were there for their third year at Clackamas. And he said they took a bus ride from here to maybe like Bismarck or something where they had nationals. And I'm thinking, I don't know how my kids could miss that much school. They're not no online classes in 1970, whatever it was when they did that. And it's like, holy cow, dude, could you imagine and take six days to get out there or something? Case you got to stop and work out still. Yeah. In case you're wondering, it's 35 hours if you want to drive. straight through man i mean it's a six hour flight if you're if there if there was such a non-stop i mean that's nothing to sneeze at either but uh, one thing you talk about with you being ballers on a budget you guys also have some unique fundraising things one of them is what you got like a crab cook-off or something like that tell me a little bit about that yeah yeah we do a crab feed every year in the fall uh end of september we have our fall camp that we do we start in the beginning of september with our guys and then the end, we do this huge, you know, crab feed week we, is what we call it. And this year we're going to have our, gosh, I want to say eighth annual crab feed. And we bring in all kinds of alumni, um, uh, just supporters, wrestling people, even non-wrestling people, parents, different things. You know, we sell tables, individual tickets, and we go out and buy $7,000 worth of seafood, basically. Right. So uh, we have like 20 cases of crab you know, 50 halves in a, in a case of Dungeness crab, which is, you know, pretty common out here. And right here in Clackamas, they have one of their, um, uh, shipping receiving areas. And so we can just go right here, you know, five minutes away and pick up all of this seafood. And then we have people come in, we do a silent auction, we do a live auction, um, you do 50, 50 raffles. We do all kinds of, you know, fun, you know, sell gear and everything. And people come in and have a blast, man. We have a little cocktail hour and we do beer and wine, uh, and, it was something, honestly, just totally grassroots, started out of our house with it um, in one of the bedrooms, my wife and I, before we had our second kid. It was like all this auction item stuff in our one of our second bedrooms up here. And, you know, we were at the little museum here in town, and then our college president attended the second one, um, former college president, and, and she says, hey, let's try and get this event on campus. And, I mean, it exploded from there. It went from, you know, 120 people or whatever it was that first year to 200 were selling it out. Um, if you're not on top of it right away, cause people love it, man, they excited and we're seeing friends of ours. They're like, Hey, when's the crab feed, you know, cause they know they want to get a table or two tables. So it's pretty crazy, man. It's a, it's a great time and, and a great fundraiser for us truly. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, I, I grew up on the shores of the Chesapeake Bay, so I know all, all about that type of stuff. Although the crabs are slightly right. different, you know, we got the blue, the Chesapeake Bay blue crab out there. That's kind of our, uh, right. our crab of choice. Yeah, and it's not bad either. Don't get me wrong. That's some sweet stuff out there. We've been out there and had it a couple of times, and it's awesome. Now, circling back to, again, I want to stick on the budget thing, because a lot of people that, you know, let's be honest, don't pay a whole lot of attention to junior college wrestling, whether it be uh, the NJCAA Mm -hmm. or the California Community Colleges, which have their fall season in one semester. 
And and from a fundraising budget standpoint, scholarships, how does all that work for, you know, in a nutshell for those who are unfamiliar? Yeah. So in our case, you know, the college gives us a, um, a an operating budget essentially of $16,500, right? That's to do everything all in you know, fundraising, uh, and excuse me, scholarship, not scholarships, but uh, travel, recruiting, um, you know, anything that you could imagine inside that operational budget, lodging, meals for the kids, all that stuff. And so, as we both know, that's probably our national duels trip, um, you know, uh, depending on where we stay, how far it is, how many nights, you know, we're probably in the $10,000 range anyways with flights and everything. So, we have to go out and typically we do about $50,000 of fundraising in a year. Um, and that's going to help us, you know, supplement supplement some assistant coaching pay. It's going to help us, you know, with some of our scholarships, uh, scholarship stuff to where we meet some uh, needs to kind of get caught up with, you know, the teams that have some uh, that are fully funded on the scholarship side, which we are not, you know, we, we, we can do tuition only uh, scholarships for our athletes. And so we have to go out and hustle a little bit, which uh, we've done a nice job of as well uh, with the help of both my, you know, assistants, Brett and Rich uh, have done a great job for us here. And, and, uh, helped us do that and, and got them a little bit extra, uh, you know, financial benefit on the side as well. Um, cause you know, you're not, you're kind of making peanuts at, at this level, uh, as it you know pertains to other divisions. And so, um, not necessarily even a full-time gig, right? Everybody's an assistant as assistant coach here is, is a part-timer, uh, cause their actual day job is doing something else, right? They're, their hobby and their part-time job are the same thing is essentially what's happening. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of fundraising the crab feeds, the most unique event we do. Um, we do a couple of tournaments and obviously a camp as well. And, and just to try and kind of keep things going in the direction that they are and the trajectory that we've been on. What are the struggles of, you know, wrestling out in the Pacific Northwest? You got, you know, there's a handful of junior colleges out there and a lot of them are with what's considered the Northwest Athletic Conference, which is kind of its own little entity within the junior college world. Uh, first of all, explain uh, how that conference works with, with general athletics and how uh, you guys as a member of that are allowed to compete with the NJCAA. Yeah, so everyone, uh, all the other athletic teams at Clackamas are a member, member of that conference, Northwest Athletic Association of Community Colleges. And so, um, they participate in that conference. They have a conference championship and that's the end of the season. They, they aren't in the NJCA national championships. And, and, uh, as a result, we're kind of unique in that sense. And that's both good and bad, you know, being a wrestling and, and you don't want to be too much, you know, more different or any targets on your back or bullseyes because you worry about the obvious is, you know, how secure are we in, in that? And, and obviously we're secure. I don't say that for any other reason than we're different. So we compete in the national championships. And so, you know, us Highline, Southwest Oregon, Umpqua, and North Idaho are all in that similar situation where we have wrestling. Um, it's not currently sponsored in the NWAC, and so we participate in NJCA, which is great uh, for us out here. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it's unique that uh, you and I are even having this conversation, and we're the national champions because most of the team champions come from the you know the Midwest. Not very, very few at any division have come from the West, and so uh, to be able to do that out here, I think, is somewhat unique, and and it takes quite a bit of you know, work as, as we've sort of talked about and, and you've alluded to, but at the same time now, how, where do we go find competition? Well, for us, it's a lot, a lot of wrestling for your schools. Um, uh, and thankfully, you know, some of these programs will, will schedule us and, and, uh, you know, do us and we'll do home and homes and, and a lot of different tournaments and things like that. Um, but at the same point, there's not a lot of, you know, junior college duels. We have four essentially, um, you know, with the, the, the other four teams that are in the conference. And so it is unique, man. It's, uh, 
there's definitely some struggles to it, but um, you know we've been able to sort of na- navigate those those waters as best we can and, and come out on top. So is it a relationship with the NJCAA through the conference level, or is it individually through each school? Yeah, so each school uh, can be a oh, what do they call it? Not a part time member, but dual affiliate sort of, um, or associate. Yeah, exactly, exactly, a dual affiliate, and so they get to say, hey, we're going to have wrestling at the NJCA level, but the rest of our sports essentially are like what California does uh, with their their uh, two-year schools is just compete within Oregon and Washington, and that's the, that's the conference that we compete in, and that's essentially their end-of-the-year championship as well as those two schools, uh, excuse me, two states with those schools. So where do you feel the relevance is for two-year programs, whether they be in California, whether they be uh, in the NJCAA, in, in the in the general landscape of collegiate wrestling, now that you know the APR really has has impacted uh, those junior college kids going to Division One, you know more more than we saw in the past. I mean, you're not we're, we're not pulling a guy out of you know out of Lassen back in the day like a TJ Williams, for example. Right. Yeah. It's definitely changed. Um, you know, it's changed a lot of things. It's changed how they recruit our kids. It's changed how we talk to our kids about what's necessary here, especially for us at Clackamas. I mean, we have an awesome graduation and four-year transfer rate of about 75 to 80% in two years. And it, it's really expedited it for us to say, hey, if we want to do that, and that's something we set out when I first got here, like, how can we be different? We're going to be awesome in wrestling. How can we be different than some of these other schools? You know, the North Idaho's or the Iowa Central's or the Northeast Oklahoma's who we've talked about, you know, are going to be awesome in wrestling. So how can we set ourselves apart? And I'm not saying they're not doing this. I'm just saying, how can we do the best job we can so when we get in front of parents, that we get to have the difference maker. And so, you know, we talked to our guys about this exactly like, Hey, look, you can't go division one. We got to have a two, five or higher. You know, we C's don't just get degrees anymore, Jay, you know what I'm saying? And so we have to make sure a little close to the best there, boss, a little close to the no, best. And I'm not, no, no, I'm not, I'm not hustling you. I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's the motto back in the day. And I can remember, cause I was one of those guys, man, like, Hey, if I'm getting a C I'm passing, we're getting it we're getting our degree. And so, you know, for, for our kids, it's gotta be, if you're serious about division one, then we gotta be serious about the academic side. And, you know, there's so many more kids that we see that are obviously very serious about wrestling and don't like math and science as much. And so, you know, for us, it was like, all right, we got to have some academic coaches and we have an academic coach who we meet with every week and we have an academic advisor. And those two things, I think, are somewhat unique for uh, this small level um, and the athletes that we're working with who need the resources you know, don't typically get the same amount of resources as some of the schools they'd like to be at. Right. And so there's some of those things that, that you have to work with and, and uh, work through a little bit. And, and we've tried to, to meet those challenges because you're right. You're not seeing, you know, TJ Williams and, and those guys uh, at that level. There's, there's, there are some, but they're fewer and further between. Oddly enough, Lassen's a California school that actually competed up with the NJCAA for a number of years. So uh, kind of a, a, you know, interesting asterisk on that story and and one thing in, in talking with frank beasley the head coach at george mason talked about his career as a junior college athlete yeah. he didn't go because he struggled in school he actually had really good grades he went because he needed some time to develop on the wrestling mat and to save some money because you know for him it was you know it, you know sometimes the the and you know the, the the tuition is so much cheaper at, at a at a local school where okay i can go wrestle and oh i don't have to pay 300 bucks a credit hour out of state yeah, I mean, you're seeing that more now. I think as we get uh, to the place where we're looking at edu- rising education across the, uh, you know, across all levels in the United States, uh, we're seeing more kids that are very, very good students 
that maybe you wouldn't have seen before, maybe even when I was at, at Clackamas in, in the late 90s, uh, simply because of exactly that. Like we cost right under a hundred dollars of credit. Um, we can help with that tuition reimbursement if you're a really good wrestler. And so essentially, you know, you get your, your financial aid money and that's going to help pay for what you need to pay for on campus. And so, you know, versus taking some percentage of a scholarship uh, that they have to work with at division one or division two, even, um, and, and take out, you know, 15 to $20,000 in loans a year. I mean, we're, we're, we're a bargain. And so, and we're wrestling the same schedule as most of these guys in our case. And in a lot of cases, when you see some of the junior colleges uh, at the top and throughout the country that they're wrestling the same dudes that you're going to wrestle at any of those schools for the most part, right? They have some of the top echelon division one guys, but you know, we see the same kinds of guys at Reno and, and at Vegas where you see North Idaho and, and Western Wyoming entered in the events. And, and uh, even at the Midlands where you've seen some junior colleges and small schools. So it's like, you know, there's opportunities out there other than just going and taking on debt. Uh, and then, you know, guys like an Eliezer DeLuca for us or a Robbie Rosalino who end up at Rutgers and, and uh, NC state respectively, or, or a Colt Doyle or a Josh Reyes that are down at Oregon state. I mean, they, they, save some years of finances so they can still go chase the same dream that they wanted to um, while they develop, like Frank mentioned, or while they, you know, continue to just decide what do I want to do? And mom and dad aren't going to, you know, sign on to paying for uh, two years of, you know, $40,000 worth of loans if I'm not sure what I want to do yet, you know? And so that's, that's kind of where we can kind of step in and help uh, some of those kids figure out where they want to go and what they want to do. With the, addition of a lot of programs at the NAI level, that really seems to be where those coaches are kind of going to the junior colleges and, and, and supplementing the lineups. I know that, that Jay Pacheco at, at Sacramento City, who's recently retired again, the California uh, system has sent so many kids to Division Two in the NAIA. Uh, with, all, with all these new programs popping up, how has that helped you as a coach be able to, to deliver more guys to the next level? Man, it's really cool because you get to see, you know, a lot of kids one, continue what they love to do and to get rewarded for, uh, you know, you and I both know lots and lots of years of mom and dad taking them to tournaments or, you know, lots of years of just time spent perfecting a craft um, and having that come out on the other side with them, you know, being able to be rewarded with that scholarship, uh, with that opportunity to get an education and, you know, better themselves. I mean, it's such a cool thing. And now for us, especially out in the West where Oregon's added, gosh, like six programs in the last, you know, handful of years, uh, it's a cool opportunity for these guys to get to stay at home now because before that, there, I mean, there was, we were on the short side of everything, man. It was three or four schools left and now we're up to about eight or nine schools out here. And so it's just a cool opportunity for these kids, I think. And, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of kids in our program who maybe they, you know, share mat time and then they lose the rest off to go to nationals. And so they're, having these opportunities since we're, you know, a, a solid, solid program and, and coaches will look and say, Hey, what about this kid? He didn't re wrestle the nationals, but he's an excellent wrestler. We want to give him some money. And we see those guys go to the NAIs and D2s and, and, you know, get on the, the podium as well. And so it's just a cool opportunity that, that uh, you get to see more opportunities given in the sport. It's, it's just awesome. What's also interesting though, is, is schools like Eastern Oregon and, and Southern Oregon that will wrestle you, even though, According to the NAI bylaws, those matches don't count for them at all. So sometimes you'll see it listed as exhibition. Sometimes you know it's kind of dicey. But uh, those those coach those teams and those coaches are still wrestling you. Yeah, they do absolutely. And and you know one thing that I definitely would love to say because you know so many wrestling people listen is like I 
how could that not count? The exhibition side of that drives me nuts. You're hurting wrestling, you know, broadly. It counts if, for the NCAA, mind you. <laughs> Those matches. They, you know they what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what are we doing there? They don't count for your qualifying, your RPI, but they do. They, it's a countable match. Correct, right? And so, you know, mo- what's ironic to me is a lot of NAI schools will compete junior college kids next fall on their teams, and yet if they wrestle them this year, that matches next year. You know, it's like these kids are going to compete for you. You want to, you know, we want to schedule those duels and we want to wrestle those matches and then we want them to count because you want the kids to, it's just an interesting little dynamic that, you know, exists, I think. And it's probably at the administrative level, less than the, uh, you know, wrestling coaches level. Cause all we're out here to do is go wrestle matches. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to schedule events and compete. All right, let's talk about scheduled events. Let's talk about competing. NJCA National Champions, we talked about that at the, at the onset of the show. Nine mm-hmm. place winners. You had mm-hmm. eight of those in the top five. And now that is a, an important distinction because we talked about the nuance of the NAIA not counting NJCA. There's a nuance of the NJCAA where officially, if you're top five, you're an All-American. That six, seven, eight technically is not considered an All-American under NJCA rules. But how does the uh, how do you guys in, in, in the NJCAA kind of find your way around that six, seven, eight placement for your kids? Yeah. So the end of the uh, NBCA helps us out. They they award a All-American certificate at that level um, for those kids um, because I think you know it. There's value to what they're doing. Like, how can we we've expanded our tournament we've added teams to the event and wrestlers if you look back even when i started here in 2006-7 that those tournament brackets were shy like eight nine ten there's buys all over the place well we've reconfigured it we've added teams um and so now we have full brackets and you're also you know, seating are, appropriately to a, to a point. And now, oh lord, you, you I mean you, you you don't know how how touchy that topic is at the coaches meetings, but yes, we have to be able to seed the tournament so that people who are watching who we talked about earlier in the conversations that we've had, maybe the casual fan or grandma and grandpa who've only followed Johnny a little bit are like, "Hey, look, Johnny's the 4 seed cuz he's always been in that spot in the bracket, but that's not really true until the last couple of years." So Sorry, you sort of sidetracked me there because that is a, a hot button topic. But we certainly got to do the better job there so that we can promote the NJCA better. And so, um, you know, seeding helps us do that. How can we help promote kids? Well, we rank them all year and then we seed them according to how they finished and and uh, their record. Well, that would be common sense, Jason, but that doesn't always win. So, um, yeah, we're in a sport that let's be honest, sometimes is devoid of common sense. So, you know, you know, we, and, and anybody that's ever been to a seating meeting knows that uh, that's usually the place where common sense does not exist the most in the sport. Now, as we talk oh, about, yeah. as we talk about your team this year, what, you know, you've got to recycle kids every two, three years. So that 48 match yeah. win streak, there's a whole bunch of kids that had something to do with that. So, uh, you know, in, in building a program, I mean, I guess you got to build the recognition of where, okay, we're going to come here. We're going to get, you know, a year of eligibility, maybe a red shirt. We get our associates. We move on to a four-year school. But when, when you're right. preparing a team, I mean, do you go in each year thinking that you're going to win a national championship, maybe with half the kids you've never seen wrestle at the college level before? Oh, man, that's seriously what we're doing. Like this year, we had 10 guys that hadn't wrestled. Uh, they didn't wrestle for us last year at the national tournament. The 10 guys that wrestled this year weren't the same 10 guys, not one of them. And so uh, when you say that, it's never truer. And, you know, we have the opportunity to return 
uh, a hand, uh, seven, seven of the guys, I think, uh, we won't end up doing that, you know, even though it'd be wonderful to do that because a couple of them are going to graduate and they're getting opportunities to move on. And something we've always been really consistent about is look, our job is to move you on. And then our job is also to go recruit more. And so it's literally, um, you know, recruiting is a revolving door. It just is. And so, you know, we, we're never going to hold a kid back and say, Oh no, you need to stay here for another year because it benefits us. I mean, we've, we've been, you know, in the fire and we've been close a couple of times, but it's also, you know, because we let guys go and, and do what's best for their futures. And so, you know, that's kind of a cool thing. I think that we do, that's a little bit unique, but also you're right, man. It's crazy to me that we have the expectation right now, as soon as we get done with the national championships, like, okay, who do we have to replace? Uh, who can we replace them with? And can those guys help us get back to where we want to be? Um, and so, and, and it's not only us, there's, there's four or five of us that are out there team wise that are doing the same thing and, and trying to figure out, you know, who's the right guy. And, you know, it's always beautiful if you can get maybe a, a transfer, you know, just cause he's got a little more proven, uh, stock than the high school kids. Um, but you know, we, we certainly go seek out the elite high school kid and, and also the diamonds in the rough, you know, who can we polish up and make them good in nine months? Because it's not, how can I change you, Jason, as a wrestler? It's how can I help what you do well already? Uh, and, and then maybe, you know, tweak a few of the errors and get some mistakes out of the way before we get, you know, our nine months with you and then move, move to whatever's next. So it's, it's a wild, wild process to be honest with you. And as I get a little bit older, it just, it seems crazy to me as I look back and take some time to reflect. It's like, man, it's, it's crazy that we've been able to do it. Um, and, and how well we've been able to do it, um, uh, out here in, in little old Oregon city, you know, what's been your philosophy on, the eligibility portion of it, you know, they, they have two years junior college eligibility. I mean, you got 10 guys that were, that were, you said weren't in your lineup last year that are on right. this national championship team. I mean, how many of those were, were red shirts? How many of those were, were true freshmen? And, and how many of those are like, you're going to throw back in the lineup next year? Yeah, let's go through it. So, uh, 25 and 33 were true freshmen. So they've got a, so they've the got a red shirt year to burn. They do. Yes. We could redshirt both of those guys. Um, 41 was in the program last year. 49 was a transfer, uh, 57 freshman, 65 transfer, 74 was in the program last year. It trades in stories awesome. He's the national champ this year. Uh, Russell's off at 174, lost to Dylan Rail, who was the national champion for us last year at 174, uh, by two points. Goes down a weight to Russell Dylan Ulrich, who was a national runner up the year before for us, loses to him by, by a point says, can I go up and wrestle 84? He wrestles Nick Maximoff, who ends up being third at the national championships, loses Nick by two, doesn't get to compete at the national tournament. Um, comes this year, national champ. So Trajan was in the program last year, but a uh, cool story about him, just the, the perseverance, man. And he's like in the stands at the nationals last year, this is going to be my title next year. And you know, that, that, that little time hop with, with him was special that evening when we got to do that. And that was so cool. Uh, 84 was a red shirt last year, 97 freshman, heavyweight freshman. So. So in these situations, sometimes sometimes the kids will want to wrestle both years. What is your what What do you tell the kid? How does that conversation go? If somebody says, you know, it, it, you know, how do you talk them into using that second year of eligibility, or or is that always their call? You know, we try and make it the the call of the kid or the parents at the time we get into our fall camp. We get to see kind of who's in the room, um, but we do let them know, like, hey, we want everybody ready because if the opportunity presents itself and you're ready then we want to get you in there and compete you. Um, because the goal for us as a team is to try and say, hey, we want to put the best team on the mat we possibly can. You know, And that's, that's the job that I've been em employed to do at Clackamas. Um, now, 
We also will look at the situation. Hey, uh, Johnny was a national runner-up last year. He needs to get his degree. Uh, Tyrell Fortune, let's go him, actually. Tyrell Fortune, national champ. We registered him because we're like trying to get that degree done. Um, we were close. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to come back just because I need, I need to be focused on something and try and get that degree finished. And he did it in the two terms that next year and then ends up transferring after that. So, I mean, he's a good example of trying to do, hey, you're already a really, really big time stud. Everybody knows that we don't need to, you know, do our job, which is to give you more exposure. He was already, you know, a, a common name in most households that know wrestling really well. Um, and so, you know, we give him that red shirt year and, and try and give him the opportunity to get things done so he can get moved on to wherever he wants to be. And so um, that's typically what we try and do unless they're like, Hey, I'm wrestling for two years and then I'm moving on. Um, then, you know, great, let's do that and, and uh, make it happen for him. So. When you have guys like Dylan Real, who you just mentioned, who who had a pretty good yeah. creden- pretty good resume coming out of high school, spent some time in a in a Division One room, and then a guy like Tyrell Fortune, who was just freaking phenomenal coming out of high school. Yeah. When, when you get guys like that come into your room, what what is your job as a coach? How do you teach these guys who who come in with such an accelerated knowledge of the sport? You know, honestly, I, I think back to both of those guys specifically. It's how can we get them. Uh, into positions where they're still learning, right? Like, because we both know that most of the kids that in our room are going to maybe not give them as much of a hard time as, as, you know, some of the guys from Minnesota or when Tyrell's on world teams. So it's like, okay, what can we, how can we give them, gain more knowledge with them? And so it's more honestly about, you know, trying to make them more cerebral, like the Tom Brady of wrestling, right? Like, how can you learn from what we're doing right now more so than through repetitions because they've obviously put in lots of repetitions and their bodies are, you know, physically they're very gifted. Um, and so now how can we help them just kind of gain that more knowledge? And so when Tyrell was on his junior world team while he was here, he comes back and he's like, coach, I got a hand fight better. You know, like that was something that he came away with because we got the opportunity to go to Fila's and, and winning Fila's got the opportunity on the world team. And so, you know, that next retro year was spent on, hand fighting and trying to get big guys in there to work with them and push on him and, and, uh, you know, allow him to use his hands better so that he can have a, an opportunity, not so much necessarily at the junior college nationals, right. But, uh, beyond there, um, at the NCAA level or at the world level. And so, um, you know, just those kinds of things, I think are things that we focus on. They're ready for what we're doing, you know, in terms of if we just sat back and did nothing, they would have probably been fine no matter what. Right. Um, but just how can we ben- help them benefit from their time with us, I think, is more what we're looking at. Yeah, and, and to bring up Fortune again, the only junior college nationals I've been to was in Rochester, Minnesota, back 2009. He pins a guy named Brandon Williamson, I believe it was in the finals, and that guy ended up wrestling Division One at West Virginia. So it's not like you know he had he didn't have any competition at this level, but there are some there's some pretty decent heavyweights that have come through JUCO in the last. Excuse me, you can't say JUCO anymore, right? The couple a uh, couple good you, heavyweights. That have you come can, through. and and that year I think you had the coolest shirt, which it was just JUCO, and yeah. I and I had that shirt. I rocked that shirt for a long time because I love <laughs> it, and that's something that we. We kind of clung on to that, and we always say that, you know, just we're just some Juco kids out here, you know, trying to do our thing. So um, it's a nice little way to pound our chest a little bit. A fit, yeah, that was the wrestling 411. I love Juco wrestling. And, of course, now the thing is you could actually say Juco if you're talking about the all-encompassing NJCAA California, you know, Northwest Athletic Conference. But when you're referring to the NJCAA specifically, yeah, don't say Juco. Uh, that's that's yeah. one thing. That's one thing I've learned. Now, let's talk about the team a little bit. I mean, going through going yeah. through the weight classes. I mean, what were what was the what was the prospectus coming in on on you know start right at one twenty five. Zeth Brower he finished third. You know, Jason Shaner finishes fifth. 
And then Elijah Azuna finishes, you know, with a championship at 141. Talk about the, the lighter three weights and, you know, how they battle with each other in the room and, and what you were ex- expecting from them coming into the season and then coming into the tournament. You know, the the crazy thing is we knew uh, kind of Elijah's value. He was with us last year. We knew he had uh, excellent potential. Um, we Both Zeth and Jason were brand new to us. And, you know, uh, if I'm being honest with 133-pounder, who was a, an All-American in 2017 on the team that was a national runner-up, who we kind of thought was the guy there. And um, at the outset of the season, Jason came in, won the wrestle off. Uh, and then really never looked back, man. I mean, he just, he, he really got so much better in the room and it became obvious, like, that's the guy we need to, to wrestle. Um, and, and part of that, I think, was the competition between him and Zeth. They're both Oregon kids. They've known each other, uh, different parts of the state, but they've been on some of the same national teams and, and things like that. Um, and both just fed off of, uh, you know, the environment, the, the hard work, um, the attitude, the mindset that we, that we try to instill. And, and, you know, combine that with Elijah, a California kid who's, who's got a pretty, uh, unique style in terms of how he scores and where he wrestles in, in toughest positions on top. And, you know, just his ability to, to get out of crazy situations. It allowed those guys, all three, I think, to have some awesome goes in the room, uh, it was fun to watch. And, and then also just to benefit from each other, um, you know, because they were all so very, very talented. You didn't qualify anybody at 104, or didn't place anybody at 149 pounds, rather. Uh, then, then no, you know, but the, he's probably the, one of the best guys on the team. Marty Margolis, three-timer out of Maryland, separates his shoulder in the quarters. Uh, and, and I'll make it quick. We wrap the shoulder because he tears. He ends up tearing. Has three different tears. Just had the surgery a week ago. Um, but he's he's like in pain, tears. Our trainer's wrapping. He's like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "We can't get ten All Americans if I don't try." And so he goes out there with one arm in the blood rounds to try and medal and. And uh, takes the guy down with one arm, pretty slick, but then had nothing, you know, from top and bottom. We get, you know, they run that, they, they wisely put a bar in on that side that's bandaged and run that thing into the ear. No, no problem with that. He just didn't, couldn't fight it, fight it off at all. And so Marty's a tough dude. He's actually going to be back for us and we're excited about him. So as we move into, well, that's interesting. Wow. Just like, that's, that's like just gritty, gritty stuff. We get to 157. It was awesome because our guy, it was close at the time, JB, and with us in NEO, and our guys are there and like around Marty because they saw it happen too. And, and they're down on the floor in one of the tunnel areas. And, and he's like, I got to try because we can't get 10 without it. And so it's sort of, you know, galvanizing a little bit for our team to be like, whoa, dude, this is, he's doing this for us. It's not even about him anymore. You know, and so that that sort of took a kind of a cool dynamic amongst uh, amongst the team. So, you get a runner up, Joel Romero, at 157 pounds. Another one of these California. You got three guys from California, three from Oregon, two from Washington, one from Arizona, and as you said, um, our goal is the one Maryland wrestler. So nine of the ten from from the Pacific Coast, so to speak. And then, uh, you know, Mason yeah. McDaniel finishing third at at 165. Then Trajan Hurd, as you you just talked about at 174, that triumphant, that trio right there. Uh, you know, explain their work ethic in the room and how they all played off one another. You know, it's it's uh, a good group, similar to the one down below. You know, Joel's really, really good on top. And so uh, it gives, you know, those guys an opportunity to kind of get better in the room underneath. Uh, Joel being a freshman, the other two being, you know, guys who have been in college programs, you know, learning the hand fight, learning the uh, the uh, pace and, and, and what it takes to kind of grind things out. He gets an injury earlier in the year. We have a knee surgery not sure about his status and he actually 
first tournament ever as a college freshman is the Reno Tournament of Champions, and he ends up in the round of eight. You know, they don't they place the top six there, and so he has a great event. And it's like, okay, well, this definitely looks like the, the route to go with this weight class because he's just uh, he he's a winner. You know, and similar to Mason, Mason's one of those guys just doesn't care, man. He's going to go out there and scrap. If it has to be a match where he's going to go out and score 19 points and see if you can score 20, you know, and, and, uh, he just wrestles that hard. And, and Trajan's probably one of the harder workers in our room in terms of, you know, just coming in every day, no matter how he feels taped up, bandaged, heat, ice, whatever, uh, and just go as hard as he physically can every day. He's just a lunch fail guy. I mean, he's the exact definition of a blue collar wrestler. Um, not going to be as flashy as a Joe, Joel or, or a Mason, but, certainly has the uh you know you don't have to look far for him on the mat when you're wrestling him is, is kind of his mentality and so um you know all three of those guys just brought super special uh abilities to to the lineup uh, in in each of their cases top three weights 184 pounds trevor sen finishes fifth you got a runner-up with joey daniel at 197 and then uh tommy Mommer finishes seventh at 285 pounds you know you just it's balance. I mean, you don't look at any, I mean, your, your lowest placer was seventh, almost, I mean, everybody in the top five saved the injury in the heavyweight. I mean, that's no matter what year you're having, that's, that's a great year on paper, no matter what. Yeah, man. When you, when you look at it, we were like, we, I don't know that you could have planned it out much better uh, outside of, I think Tommy was probably disappointed with the seventh. He'd competed with some of the top heavyweights you know, and beat some of them. So I think he was a little bit bummed about his finish. Um, but really, I mean, we had a chance everywhere at 84. We're in the semis, uh, just, you know, got into a funky position to get to our back where actually winning and, and had a chance to get another guy in the finals there and, and end up getting stuck it, literally as the round expires. So it was pretty close. And uh, 97, Joey Daniels, probably an 84 pounder uh, who makes it in the finals at 97, just has the attitude of, you know, I'm, I'm a winner and that's really it. Like he just wins, wills his way to wins. Um, and then, like I said, Tommy, great heavyweight, set the school record for pins this year. Uh, I believe he ended up with 25 or 26 falls on the year. Um, but just didn't, uh, you know, didn't finish the way he would have wanted to, I think. And that sort of frustrated him some, but, um, yeah, man, I mean, shoot, I think run that back and we'll take it. You know what I mean? And with the team race, with with the, I mean, what was it two years? I can't remember what year it was. I remember going in. I was at the Pac-12 tournament, and I was looking at the teams. And we're all I'm, I'm having dinner with the referees, and we're all looking at our phone, watching is like trying to do the math. Be like three teams had a chance to win the yeah. tournament going into the finals. It was I had, I had never yeah. seen anything like that. So one, let's go, let's go back to that that year and and how sure. nerve wracking that type of situation is as a coach. Man, 2017 was the year I'll never forget it. Um, uh, uh, Clackamas is in the lead before the finals are set, uh, right at the right at the start of the finals, um, by three points. Uh, within, I think it's within three points of the lead was Clackamas, Iowa Central, Northeast Oklahoma, and we had we had us in the final. We had five. We actually had five in the finals that year, man, and we ended up second. So uh, Iowa Central beats us at 125 with a tough kid, Todd Small. Um, you know, 33 NEO wins that weight class and jumps both of us. Uh, 41, I can't, it was neither of our teams were represented. 49, Josh Reyes wins it for us. We jump back in the lead. 57, Dayton Racer wins it for Iowa Central. They jump ahead of us. 65, NEO beats our guy in the final. They jump ahead of all of us again. Uh, 74, Doyle for us wins. We jump ahead, and the only person left in the finals is Iowa Central's heavyweight, uh, who ends up pinning the guy 
to beat us by two and a half points or something like that. So it was, uh, yeah, it was painstaking, man. I can tell you it was, I actually walked behind the curtain. I was just waiting to hear the crowd because Iowa Central is pretty well represented out there at that event. So Zinio and, uh, oh, 84, we ended up getting beat as well. So Josh, we had, we had some chances, man. We let a couple get away there. When we look at the dynamic of, of the relationships, you talk about, you know, the banter between you and Joe Renfro at, at NEO. There's, uh, there's other great coaching personalities that really don't get a whole lot of coverage or, or, or much play whatsoever. I know like Jim Ziegler at Northwest College, that guy's, that guy's a riot. You know, Pat Whitcomb before oh, his, awesome. his, his termination at North Idaho, he had some interesting stories along the way. But, you know, what's it like coaching against these guys? Or who are some of the personalities that you feel are, are kind of underrepresented in, in, in the lore of wrestling? Yeah, man, I, there's just so much. I mean, you even you think about Paul Schmidt at Nassau, who's got so much uh, just knowledge and and, and uh, just history. Uh, I enjoy sitting down and, and visiting with Coach Schmidt. Uh, you said Jimmy Ziegler. Like, he, he's awesome. I love that guy. Art Castillo at West Wyoming is one of my favorites. Guy's super intense, super excited, uh, doing a great job at Western Wyoming. Uh, we went down there and they packed this place out, man. We're talking about Rock Springs, Wyoming, but it's not like we're going to, you know, state college or something. But they got they got some dudes in a in a thirty five hundred. I don't know how many people are in the town of Rock Springs. It didn't look very big. I'm from Prineville, Oregon, and so I'm not judging. Don't get me wrong, um, but thirty five four four thousand people in the town, and they must have all been there for that duel. So that was kind of a cool one too. And and of course uh, Joe Renfro, you know, he's Joe's a great guy. And and there's so many more that I'm just uh, you know that aren't you know, coming to my head right now, uh, Luke Moffat, Luke's a great dude, does a good job out there at Iowa Central as well. And so there's just, uh, there's some fun guys to, to kind of be around and visit with and, you know, talk shop with as you're, uh, you know, during the year, maybe not as much at the national tournament, uh, as, as, you know, during the regular season when you're in the, in the heat of it, but, uh, uh certainly, you know, have a healthy respect for those guys. You got the Iowa schools battling with one another, Iowa Central, Iowa Lakes, Iowa Western, Nyack, Ellsworth, et cetera. Uh, you know, you don't have that necessarily with the junior colleges up in Minnesota where I'm at. But then you look at in, in the Northwest, you guys are up there. And I, I'm just curious on when the addition of Northeastern Oklahoma A&M to the landscape, it seemed to change everything at the junior college. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe had done a great job at Labette, has got a national title there, well, maybe a couple off the top of my head. But, you know, how much did, did NEO coming into the fray really just disrupt and change everything? You know, I think, it, I mean, he, he did do a great job at, at Labette. You know, he was sort of uh, the model I looked at as ter- in terms of ballers on a budget was, you know, him at Labette, dude. I mean, he had three or four uh, team titles, maybe three, I can't remember exactly. But, and then instantly, you know, those kids move over to NEO with him and he, he starts getting Oklahoma kids uh, that, that maybe would have looked other places. Um, and now, a lot of those Midwest kids, even Texas now with the Andrews brothers, you know, one of them was at Wyoming this year and, and, uh, you know, those kids aren't looking anywhere else. And so it does change because, you know, they have some state schools there that would love to keep some kids in state, you know, uh, i.e. Jacoby Smith, uh, who maybe would have looked someplace else, you know, uh, other than right there at home. But now they got a place they can go right there in their home state, um, or near their home state because he gets a lot of Kansas boys and, and, you know, guys from the Midwest there that maybe would have went someplace else. So they don't, uh, it doesn't get spread out as much. It doesn't feel like anymore in terms of, um, where, you know, kids are going and he gets a, he gets a good number of kids there and for good reason. I mean, he's a, he's a good dude and runs an awesome program. So, um, certainly swallows up a number of kids. I think that would have went, could have at least maybe convinced them to come out West, you know, we can't get them on a plane now because Miami's not that far from where they live. 
And just oh, so Miami, Miami, yeah. I was told it's Miami. Yeah. Sorry, Miami. And uh, just so I can correct myself, because I always hate being wrong. I don't mind being corrected. Joe had three titles at Labette. He's got three at NEO, so he's got six. One, two, three. Yeah, he's four, got five. Six. Wait a minute. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Yeah, looks like he's got six. Just making sure. So, Joe, if you're listening, I don't want yeah. to botch your stuff because. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He probably will be, and you'll get a text anyway. Uh, you know, you know I, I will say this: he is he has been the best junior college at throwing gear my way. I can tell you that during wrestling shirt today. Oh, during done. wrestling shirt today, I was I was decked. I probably had six or seven NEO shirts out of that whole that three hundred and sixty six. I did have a Clackamas shirt in there though. So uh, you, yes, you, you did. That I was, that. That was, I actually got. I owe you. I owe you some gear. I've got some nice stuff. I'll send your way. Like I said, I work for you know gear. Can't actually pay the rent, believe it or not. Now as we uh, we, we move forward, <laughs> I, I mentioned this. Uh, briefly, and in, in terms of the landscape of, of junior college wrestling, there there was a you know we had mentioned Pat Wickham who has got a national championship uh, with North Idaho back in 2013, most recently, and and he was terminated at, at, at North Idaho College, which is up in Coeur d'Alene, which I understand is like a beautiful, beautiful campus. But you know, what, what's your take on that? I mean, what do you know about the situation? And 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 you know, this is this doesn't seem like it's a good thing for wrestling in the Northwest. Yeah, honestly, it's a scary thing for for a lot of folks, and I, I think I probably talked to more North Idaho alumni. Uh, in the last, you know, four or five months than I have ever, um, because, uh, you know, part of what I'm saying to them is, Hey man, I'm on your team because them being good and us being in the same conference and having someone that we can compete against real hard and, you know, stay relevant is good for us. So we don't want to lose them. And you and I both know, I don't say that casually because it's happened in wrestling. So, you know, wrestling's got a little PTSD when stuff like this happens. And, you know, you look at it and think, uh, are they going to stick around? And I've heard that they're going to, you know, we've talked to John Owen, the former coach there quite a few times. And coach O has said that, you know, he's talked to some people higher up there that they're going to keep the program. They've obviously got a national search going for a new coach, but it was a surprise to us that, that Pat was uh, being let go. And under the circumstance, you know, I don't want to be super evasive, but there was just some sort of, you know, I, you don't really know what to believe or who to believe it from the, uh, uh, because it was such a shady way of it going down. And so, uh, you know, you, you hear some things from folks and, and you talk to people and it just doesn't seem like it, it doesn't feel very good when you think about how it went down for him. Um, you know, he, he and I had talked actually at the conference championship, which they hosted up there and he says, ah, you know, my time would probably pass. And he's, you know, real, you know, dignified about it more so than I probably could have been, I think under the circumstance, but may, you know, maybe he knows more than I, he probably knows more about it than I do. And so he's got the taking the right path on, on, on how to go about it. I certainly hope that, you know, North Idaho keeps their program. They've got the, the most history of any, you know, any of us probably in terms of number of national championships and, and national champions and those types of things. And so, um, you know, in our case, it, it was awesome to have them and, and have Pat because Pat was super competitive, as was I. I mean, I can remember our wives having a conversation in their gym and her, his wife saying, you know, gosh, Pat's the hardest to deal with this week because Clackamas is coming. It was the biggest compliment in the world to me because I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm sort of getting relevant because I was a nothing and a nobody at the time, you know, and so, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how that all went down. And he was always super helpful to me as a young coach as well. So, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for, for how that went down for them and, and certainly hope for their program that it uh, it doesn't end worse, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I also, again, got to correct my stats again. I've got Pat with at least four. Now, my, my records are kind of dicey since I'm still basically repairing the junior college records that I have, but I know he's got at least four. Not sure if he was still, you know, trying to think of the last one. First one was in 98, although I've got a, a missing 93 I don't have a coach for, so if uh, 
you northern I- North Idaho folks or you you Northwest wrestling aficionados know the answer to that. Uh, be sure to shoot me a note. But uh, Josh, in the time we got left, any anything else you want to throw in there? We've talked a lot. We talked about crabs. We've talked about yes. uh, you know busing to Louisville, which didn't happen thankfully for you guys. We've talked about your win streak. No. And one thing I also want to throw about that win streak it was also pretty cool. Is there were there were some active win streaks going on. You know, Penn State's got a, a pretty good win streak going on right now. St. Cloud in Division Two has a monster win streak going on. You know, Wartburg and Augsburg have beaten each other quite a bit in Division Three, so there's no super win streak going on in three. But in the NAIA Grandview is is approaching eighty. So I mean, you guys yeah. like mentioned and within all of those national championship programs throughout the course of 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 the, you know when you're in the thirties and forties. So I guess I guess I got to say that's that's pretty good plug for the program. Yeah, man, that's pretty cool, and I, I certainly appreciate the uh, the knowledge, dude. I love I love you're like my uh, encyclopedia for wrestling. So when that was that was put out there, I was like, holy smokes, dude, this is pretty nice to be in that kind of company. And so certainly, you know, those guys are all doing an amazing job, and we we hope to continue to do you know awesome things here. We got we got some work to do to get back up into the 40s, 50s, or even gosh to the 80s where Nick's at at Grandview. But uh, um, no, man, I appreciate I appreciate all you do, and and uh, I'm glad we got to talk about crab. We we need to try and get you at the JC Nationals again. I know I kind of sidebarred you, uh, direct message you there you know, a couple times about that. We need to get the, you know the voice of wrestling out at uh, the junior college nationals sometime i know it's a busy month for you though so. just got to figure out which event you know got to stack the events so they're not on top of each other i'd love to i'd love oh, to have gosh i know yeah, yeah that's nai the same weekend yeah well i'd love two and three to be on different weekends like i mean one year i went junior co- we went junior college three two one with kyle and i and then you know one year i had a weekend off. i couldn't get a hold of anybody from junior college so i went to the pac 12s and and did that for <laughs> one day at stanford now stanford's moved within that it's like it was just weird. Like the one year I think I could have done it, I didn't get any response. So, I mean, it's, and again, I realized that junior college funding is a little differently. And, you know, it's not the NCAA when it comes to, you know, organizational budgets and such. But yeah, I'd love to come back one of these days. It's just, uh, you know, if we, we can get some, some, some powerhouse programs up here in, in the land of 10,000 lakes to kick it up. I know Rochester's doing a pretty good job in the non scholarship division, but uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Back to Rochester, maybe it might happen. Yeah, no, that would be very cool, man. We would, Certainly love to see you out there. Yeah, let's just move the schedule so you get the refs and the announcers. That's the push. That would be nice, man. That's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about right there. Simple. We could probably figure that out, right? Common sense. We talked about this. And we also talked about what doesn't happen. Anyway, that's. I think we can, we can, we can talk about that for another hour. Josh Roden, thanks for the time, man. It, it was very educational as always. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is proudly outfitted by Compound Clothing. Shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. Hey, you know what? Did you like the show? You want to hit that subscribe button? MattTalkOnline.com slash listen. Various different ways to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And if you're already subscribed and you're already listening and you love the show and you want to support this show and this network, MattTalkOnline.com slash join the team. Become a team member today. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. 
At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.